Amen. If you have your, let's go ahead and make our declaration of faith. If you have your Bible or your electronic device lifted above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of Acts, chapter number 8, verses number 26, foundational text. The Bible declares, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandik, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 35 declares, then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Thank you, Jesus. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Father, thank you once again for this opportunity, God, to minister the Word of God to the people of God. Be glorified, my King, in all that's said and done. We'll be careful to give your name the praise, honor, and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen, amen. Deke, if you'll check that water, make sure everything is everything. I'm not used to it running like that, if you'll just double check that. So I'm excited. We're in the middle of a series called, somebody shout, I gotta tell somebody. I gotta tell somebody. How many of y'all know what it's like to go to a, a store and you got something on sale, 50% off? If you like my wife, she goes to Dillard and they have 60, 65% off with the extra 50 off the 65. <laughs> so when my wife sees that, I mean, she picks up the phone and calls everybody. She called me, lady found, she just called everybody, amen. And it's like, a, <laughs> Jeff said, you don't call him. He wants to be on that. <laughs> Absolutely. If it's Scotty Black, I'm with you. I'm with you. And so, I believe that that should be the same way when it comes to the message of Jesus Christ, that we should be so excited about what we have with him that we're willing to share it with somebody else. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Now understand, um, Jesus is the head of the church, and we are the body. Everybody shout, we are the body. So Jesus is the head, we are the body. As the head, he has thoughts, ideas, plans, visions, strategies, watch this, that he requires the body to carry out because my head can't pick up nothing. My head, come on, can't walk any place. 
It can strategize, it can see, it can visualize, but at the end of the day, the head, the thoughts are dependent upon the body. Jesus is the head of the church, and he's depending on you and I to be the hands and his feet. Can somebody say amen to that? So when we have this, when we, when we come to evangelism, there is both a corporal, corporate evangelism strategy as well as a personal individual. Now, there are some people that try to polarize these deals. You got some guys that, you know, everything is in the four walls of the church. Let's just come to church, have a good time in church, fall out, run around the building, all that kind of stuff is wonderful, and they do nothing outside the church. And then you have the extreme opposite of individuals, watch this, that want to hit the streets, knock on doors, uh, stand in front of Walmart parking lot, greet people, tell them about Jesus, and that's fantastic, but they're so polarized, they're like, let's just do this and not gather at all. When it's not either or, it's actually both and. Are y'all with me in this place? So we should both be participating in corporate as well as personal ministry. So I begin to think about that thing. I believe that this church is strategically placed in this neighborhood. And we are supposed to reach, look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, we're supposed to reach this neighborhood. We're supposed to reach this neighborhood. We're supposed to reach out to outside of these four walls, encourage people, strengthen people, give things away, help people, so forth and so on. But here, let me just talk to me just for a second. If it applies to you, it does, but I'm just talking to me. How is it you're going to strategize about reaching these neighbors when you won't reach your neighbors? <laughs> okay, I'm just going. By your silence, that means y'all got neighbors like me. <laughs> my neighbor was yelling at my kids the other day, praise the Lord. So uh, it's too funny. When we first moved into the neighborhood, we moved there, what, two years ago? Almost two years ago. Um, I remember the guy came out, and he was like, he was like hey, hey you guys aren't going to put up a fence or anything like that. I was like, I don't think so. He says, good, because I just like to see all the land and grass and everything. That's what he said. Three months later, I saw stakes and poles going in the ground. <laughs> and Chad, the neighbor on the other side, he, he came to me one day and he said, hey, I just want y'all to know we're putting up a fence and it's not because y'all black or nothing. He said it just like that. He said, y'all, I ain't because y'all black. We just been thinking about this, and I think it's just time. <laughs> I wasn't offended because I'm like, bro, y'all finna put up pretty fences that I ain't got to pay for? <laughs> you got my blessings. <laughs> so I know it's tough, but I have this conviction, and despite the craziness that sometimes my neighbors, I'll tell you this quick story. It's funny. So I have one neighbor. Um, this was around Christmas time. And we, we got a phone call, and she, the lady called my wife, and she said, Hey, um, your kids were at our house the other day, and uh, my son's AirPods are missing. And we're looking on the app, and it says it's at your house. So when you guys come home, if we're in your front yard, we're just looking just to make sure that maybe your kids accidentally picked it up. We don't know. And so I said, it's showing at my house? And she, so I, she hung up, and I'm just sitting there thinking, mm. now in my house, there's one thing I just don't tolerate stealing, for sure. My kids are so blessed. They have all their needs and a whole bunch of their desires. So when it comes to stealing, that's like, uh-uh, you, it's, it's going to be on. So I ain't even think my kid is stealing because I just, that's, they have their issues, but stealing, it shouldn't be one of them. 
So she calls back five minutes later, hey, we found them. Uh, so my wife said, well, where were they? Oh, they were in his pocket. So I'm like, hold on. So you in my front yard with your AirPods in your pockets and you talking about it's in my house? So them the kind of challenges that I got to put up with, but nevertheless, God is requiring your pastor, despite how offended I often am by the things that they do. And it's a whole bunch of crazy stuff that's going on that I could talk. I'm not going to talk about it. But despite the craziness, God says, I still want you to reach them. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this. It's craziness in this neighborhood. This morning at 945, I'm in my office. And I look out the window. A guy's walking around Deacon Bullock's car. Look to the left, look to the right. Reaches in Deacon Bullock's car, grabs some things. I run out and confront him. So craziness going on in this neighborhood and in my neighborhood. Should we just forget them? I'm going to heaven and, you know, if y'all make it good, if you don't, just, y'all going to do it like that. Some of y'all think like that. Ooh. So I'm telling you all, we have both a corporate together as well as a personal responsibility to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want to show you this in this foundational text. Watch this. Um, Acts chapter, I want to go back to chapter number 5, verse number 42, and then we'll go to chapter 6. Acts 5, 42, the Bible declares, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Look this, day after, somebody shout, every day. Day after day, every day in the temple, corporate, and watch this, from house to house, personal, individual evangelism is going on. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Because of their, watch this, both corporate and personal witness, look what happens in chapter number 6, verse number 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, why was it increasing? It wasn't just because what was happening on a Sunday morning. It was throughout the week, house to house, people sharing the good news about what God is doing. Can somebody make some noise about that? Not just corporate ministry, but house to house, individual personal testimonies. So the Bible goes on to declare that in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being over... Here it is, y'all. We got mess in the church. Y'all want to know why it's mess in the church? You really want to know? Look at your neighbor and tell them because you here. I mean, real talk. Ma, if we ain't have no people, we wouldn't have no problems. <laughs> you understand? Real, real, if we didn't have people, we wouldn't have no problems at all. If nobody showed up, we don't have to worry about nobody getting offended. But the reality is when church continues to grow, and this church is growing, praise God. Praise God. We're growing. Two, two to five families a month join this church. Two to five families a month, every month, for the past couple of months have been joined, actually for the past year now, have been joining this church. It's blowing, in the middle of a pandemic, we're growing. <laughs> it's funny. I got, look, I got post-COVID post members finally coming back to church, and God bless them. But my new members like, welcome to our church. <laughs> like, this is my church. What you talking about? Oh, oh I, I just hadn't seen you in three years. I just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so watch this 
we're going to continue to grow. The reality is anything that's healthy is going to grow. So if we maintain a healthy, vibrant church, we're going to continue to grow. And as we continue to grow, issues will develop. And as issues develop, let me show you, share my perspective. I'm just looking for leaders to step up to not be complainers about problems, but to be problem solvers themselves. Because I got a bunch of folk coming to me talking about, oh, Pastor, I, you, you ain't going to believe what happened. Well, I, I can't believe it. I've been around for a minute. I can believe a whole lot of stuff that will happen. Question is, what are you going to do to help solve it? Or are you just going to put this burden on my shoulders? On, are y'all with me? You, you just going to put this, on, this weight on me to tackle this and be in a position to minister, encourage, strengthen, counsel, and everything else I do? Or are you going to step up and actually be a leader and do something about the problems that you see? I believe that anything that irritates you is your ministry. The thing that you can't stand to see, that's your ministry. Are y'all with me in this place? We have some fantastic cleaners. You, you know why? You know why they're fantastic cleaners? Because that's their ministry. How do I know it's their ministry? Because they can't walk in a nasty bathroom and it not disturb them. Some of y'all can see paper on the floor and be like, that ain't my ministry. I'm good. I got paper all over the floorboard in my car, in my house, so I'm good with that. That ain't your ministry. It's all right. We got something for you to do, though. So it's problems in the church, and, and I want to highlight this, this, this particular term in verse number one of chapter six. It says that the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked. Now, in the KJV and the ESV, another ver two other versions that I really enjoy, it uses the word neglect. Neglect. And so when I saw that word, I saw something different in the text. Because watch this. You have a cultural deal going on possibly a prejudice, borderline racial deal going on. Both Jewish, but Greek-speaking Jews, Hebrew-speaking Jews, okay? So overlooked is, oh, I'm sorry. I, oh, I didn't even see you. I'm sorry. My bad. But neglect, the terms that ESV and KJV uses, neglect means I do see you. You're just not a priority. I get to you when I can. Just imagine being in the kitchen, and somebody serves the person in front of you chicken breast, chicken wing, white meat. Get to you and you ask for white meat and they say, here a leg. And then the person behind you asks for white meat and they give them the breast. It's not that I didn't see you, you just, I need to make sure I serve all the people I like first. And if I got any white meat left, then I'll so overlooked, KJV says neglect. So what's the solution to this particular problem? The men of God got together, the apostles, the Bible declares, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, understand, these men of God, the apostles, they're not minimizing this ministry. This ministry is important, but in order for us to do what God is calling us to do in this season, we can't do this and that. So he says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be, everybody shall full of the spirit. Everybody shall full of wisdom. Full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, 
Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who, watch this, prayed, laid their hands on them. Hmm. Now let's look at this for a second. I want to I wanna highlight two, 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 two things here. Let's look at the task that these boys are asked to do. So we have a, we have a food pantry. Um, we serve food every Tuesday. We got, and I, I just want to, my, my wife, if I miss somebody, it's my wife's first fault because I asked her to give me the names that I didn't write down. You texted to, I ain't got my phone on me. Um, Deacon Bullard is already standing. Um, let's see, who was Mother Washington? Where's Mother Washington? Wave your hand and stand up. Mother Washington is here. Um, Elder, Elder Charlotte, she's not here. Um, um, Sister Marjorie Jones, she took your temperature. Praise the Lord. Deacon McGee, when his knee, Elder McGee, when his knees are good. <laughs> Just stand up, amen, raise your hand. Elder McGee, who, who, am I, who am I missing? Tony, Jerry. Sister Judy. Brother Jones. Brother Jones. Can we bless the Lord for them real quickly? Dig, we serve what, maybe, a, what's the number we serve every, how many families every week? Okay, 75, yeah, let's bless the Lord for that. So these are a group of individuals who get a van on Monday, and they drive to one of the local grocery stores, 12 baskets, sometimes we got to shoot to Mobile to, to, to get the food, we come back, we, yeah, I'm throwing my, I'm the pastor. <laughs> So my name on it. Look, if it fall apart, they're gonna be they gonna look at me like pastor. So we <laughs> come back, organize it, put it up, and then on Tuesdays from two to five. Is that right? Two to five, we give it out to families. And if we have a special order, let's say Walmart got something going on, they'll send a big truck, and, and it never comes on time. <laughs> they say eight o'clock, it'll be there like five o'clock, and, and we'll wait all day, so forth and so on. And um, bless families. That's the task. That's the responsibility. It's important. But when I looked at the qualifications for this task, it seems as though that the qualifications didn't quite match the task. Because what the qualifications are is what I just done, what I just did for my elders. The men of God says, find men who have a reputation of being filled with the Spirit, filled with wisdom. And that's what I did for a year and a half, two years. I watched, yeah, if I watched y'all, Facebook post. <laughs> I ain't just your Facebook friend because I like you. <laughs> if you're a candidate for leadership, I'm watching you. I want to see what you post. Is it actually a reflection of what you say you believe? So these men and these women, I watched them for a whole year. And I saw that they have a testament. There, watch this. Their, their personal lives or their private lives match their public profession. Good stuff. And not only, not only did he watch them to make sure that they were full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, the Bible declares that they, the, the apostles laid their hands on them. That's what I did for my elders. Two reasons you lay hands. Number one, for public recognition of authority, meaning, watch this, if, if they say it, it's like I said it. Same level of authority. And not only, but impartation. 
And the book of Leviticus, the Bible declares how that when the priest, when he laid his hands upon the head of the goat or on the bull, transformation was happening. Watch this. The innocence of the lamb or the innocence of the goat transmitted into the priest or the man of God. The man of the guilt of the man of God transmitted into the animal. Now the animal is worthy of death. The wages of sin is death. So transformation happens. Same grace, same spirit is transferred to them. They do this to men, watch this, who's just going to be serving plates. Here's the word that God gives me. And I'm saying this very, very cautiously and very, very carefully because I want you to hear it. Whenever you have a task that doesn't match your talent, it's always a test. If you have a task of responsibility that doesn't quite measure the great, because these boys are anointed to minister. These boys are anointed to speak, to proclaim, but they're not, caught, they're not asked to speak. They're not asked to proclaim. They're asked to serve tables. And in this situation, somebody shout, it's the test. And God is actually testing some of you all right now. It's a Matthew 25 test. If you're faithful over a few things, you will be made ruler over what, y'all? Over many things. Some of you all want the many, but you won't be faithful over the Say it plainly. You are one of the ones who will not do mediocrity with excellence. And God is saying the mediocre things, I want you to give your best to it. I don't, want you to, uh, I don't want you to just give your best in the game, but what about practice? What about personal practice? What about behind the scene? I want, to, I, want, I want you to be seen as someone that's giving your all all the time. Can somebody say amen to that? So these boys are being tested. And I know that they're being tested because what we're going to hear about them in the upcoming chapters, the script, I highlighted verse number five, where the Bible declares they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then it says also Philip. It puts them in this order because it's going to give them an explanation of the things that Stephen is going to do. And then it's going to talk about Philip. Philip is one of the ones who passed the test. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, will you pass the test? Because I'm telling you today that God is testing you with mediocrity. Will you be faithful over the few things? Will you be faithful over the hitting things? Are y'all with me in this place so that I can make you ruler? See, see, I'm one of the ones years ago, and I've had to go back and apologize many times. Many times to, to my pastors and my overseers. I never went, I never forget, I went, I told Overseer Taylor that I'm called to preach. So I'm called to preach and I'm ready. And I just knew he was going to be excited. Because <clears throat> I was. You know what he told me? You ain't ready. What? <laughs> I ain't ready. My man sent me back, made me wait. And I'm so glad he did. Because the reality is, when God opens the door for you, no man can shut it. I'm going to say that again. When God opens a door for you, no man can shut it. So if a man is shutting a door, it's evident that God hadn't opened it yet. I'm going to let that marinate just for a minute. Because, Jeff, I'm sitting there hating on my pastor, talking about my pastor. I'm, you understand what I'm saying? When the reality is, if God opened this door at this particular time, I don't care what his position is, he wouldn't be able to stop it. But because he is able to say, you're not ready yet, it's only a sign this is a door that God has not opened it. Are y'all with me in this place? So these boys, they passed the test of, watch this, having a higher call on their life 
but yet submitting to a mediocre task. I'm just here passing out food, making sure that the food is being passed out fairly. They pass the test to the point when we get to chapter number eight, the next time we hear about Philip, he ain't just at the food pantry. But the next time we hear about Philip, it's in chapter number eight, verse number five. The Bible declares, Philip went down. No, 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 let me, let me clarify this. We're talking about Deacon Philip. Some theologians call him Philip the Evangelist, but the scripture never calls him an evangelist, never gives him another title or office other than the deacon he was assigned to in chapter, uh, uh, chapter number six. But in chapter number eight, the Bible declares, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the message there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. So my man is preaching, my man is performing miracles, my man is healing folk, when we get to verse number seven, the scripture declares, for with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. My man is casting out demons, laying hands on the sick. When we get to verse number nine, I'm not going to read it, but there was, a, there was a warlock in the city, and he converted the warlock and baptized him. I'm telling you today, no matter what God has called you to do, if you will be faithful over the little that he wants you to do, he will, oh God, he will make you ruler over the many. Can somebody say amen to that? So he passed the test of having a greater call, greater anointing, but assigned a task of just passing out food. But I believe that the scripture highlights a story where in my mind it's a test all over again. And I call it the test of notoriety. And here's the question. The reality is this is why some of you all won't do personal evangelism. Because there's no recognition in personal evangelism. There's recognition in what I'm doing right now. House full of folk. Facebook Live, YouTube Live, people are seeing me. But when I go home and I have a conversation with my neighbor and I tell him my testimony and I share Jesus, nobody sees that. There's no glory in it at all. And there are some of you all that you, ooh, emotionally, you need recognition. And if you need recognition, I'm telling you, it's going to mess with your obedience. <sighs> There's a difference between validation and recognition. I, I, believe, I believe that every minister should be validated from both a heavenly and an earthly witness. I believe that. Absolutely. Yeah, because any professional has to have some type of credentialing body. You can't just raise up and say, I'm a doctor. What school you go to? I just know the human body. No, player. You ain't finna operate on me. <laughs> Do you trust me? No, I trust them papers. <laughs> and it's funny, every profession, Pop, has some type of credentialing, except for the church. You can be a pastor overnight. Shoot, you can skip pastor. I'm an apostle now. <laughs> I'm an evangelist now. I'm a man of God, woman of God. Where, where, where are your credentials at? Who validated God called me? I know God called you, but not only is there earthly validation, there's a he earth, heavenly validation, there's also earthly validation. I'm not talking about validation. I'm talking about the need for notoriety. 
If you're one of those individuals who have to be seen and what you call to do, I'm telling you, your ministry is going to be limited because there are certain things God's going to ask you to do. There will be no eyes to see it, but it will be felt for generations. No eyes to see it. My, my pop got the testimony. So Elder Hand, is, is that right? Elder Hand is the, the evangelist that led you to the Lord. My man was driving from Moss Point to Gulfport to pray. When he was in town, how often would he come? Every day. Every day, chat. From Moss Point. Of course, gas was 98 cents a gallon then. So, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't that, you know, he ain't. <laughs> 70 cents then, right? But still, from Moss Point, Gulfport, every day when he was in town, just to pray with my daddy. This is what he didn't see. <sighs> Do you think he really... Uh, this is what he didn't see, that it was coming a day that the man that you sacrificed led to the Lord would lead all of his children to the Lord. And not only would he lead his children to the Lord, we would go out and we would look, look around. <laughs> no, 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 really. Just being obedient. I don't think he saw y'all. I think he was just concerned about the responsibility of sharing whether somebody saw it or not. And I'm challenging you that if you need to be seen, and there are some, I, look, I'm, I'm, God wouldn't give me a word like this if it ain't in the house. If you need to be seen in what you're doing, then I'm telling you, you're going to limit your use in the kingdom of God because there are some things that God is going to ask you to do. No one will see it, but it will be felt for generations. Can you say amen to that? So watch this. This man of God, Philip, is in Samaria having revival. The man is casting out demons. The chief warlock in the city, he leads him to Christ. He's casting out demons. He's performing miracles, signs and wonders. Uh, healings are manifesting. This man is having a public revival. And look what happens. Watch this. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. When you get to verse number 26, the Bible declares, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza, and he started out on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, some of y'all would have missed God on this one because it doesn't make sense to leave a citywide revival just to go talk with one man. It don't even make sense. I mean, just, just think about, just, just think about a, a stubborn man of God Woman of God. Oh, okay. Hold on, Lord. Did you see this demon? these demons I just cast out? Do you see all these paralyzed folks that are walking now? Do you see the people that's coming to the Lord? Do you see Simon, the chief warlock in the city that just got converted? So you mean to tell me you want me to leave all of this to go meet one man in the desert? Help me preach, Pop. But this is what he don't know. You just got to be obedient. This is what he don't know. The one man that he's getting ready to beat is the financial advisor to the king. And if I, financial advisor to the queen, the queen of Ethiopia. 
And if I win him, she has his ear. But watch this. The nation has her heart. So if I win him, he touches her and she has the ability to touch the whole. What are you trying to say, Pastor McGee? I'm trying to highlight the power of one. Not just the many, not just the YouTube videos, not just the Facebook Live videos. And, and you, God, help me. Help me. It's too many Facebook Live ministries, but you ain't, you ain't got a personal ministry. Let me just look at y'all while I'm saying it. You got a Facebook Live ministry, you want the world to hear you, but your neighbor going to hell. You sneak in on Facebook Live at work talking to the world, and the person in your cubicle next to you don't know nothing about Jesus and question if you know him. He leaves the revival, my man, to talk to one brother. He don't know who he is. He's just being obedient. God says, leave the revival, leave the multitude, leave the crowd. Uh, NIV uses the word crowd. He leaves the crowd to talk to one brother because he understands the power of one. Don't know who this brother is going to touch. I don't know who he's going to share with. All I know is that I'm committed to this one. Am I making sense in this place? Look at this conversation. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road. The question is, who's Lord? You or Jesus? Because if you Lord, you ain't leaving the revival. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, ooh, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. He started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. This is so good. Doesn't tell him why. He just says, go. He just says, he says, he says, go. Says, go. Hmm. Hmm. So God's not going to explain everything he tells you to do. He's not going to explain everything. And you have to have a relationship with the Lord of true trust. That if God said it, I don't have to understand all the instructions. It will be revealed as I go. So he obeys and he goes. The Bible declares Philip ran. It's interesting. The Spirit said go. But the Bible, verse 30 says he ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Now watch, watch this conversation. Philip says, do you understand what you are reading? The eunuch says, how can I? unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 33 through 34 highlights the scripture that the eunuch is reading out loud that Philip hears. Hmm. 35 declares, then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, I need y'all to just help me. Just, just participate. I ain't doing nothing weird or nothing like that. I just want you to participate and help me. Um... If you or someone close to you has the testimony of some type of physical or emotional healing, if you or someone close to you has the testimony of some type of physical healing and you give God the credit, whether he did it miraculously or in my wife's situation, the doctors had no idea which uh, antibiotic to prescribe to her 
And after we came together in prayer, the next morning, a nurse comes in and says, I think we got, I think we found the right antibiotic to treat this infection that was getting ready to kill her. If you or somebody you know have experienced some type of healing like that, just stand on your feet, if that's you, real quickly. Y'all look around, look around. Look at that, look at that. It's good. Yeah, yeah, y'all can clap. It's good. Hi. Have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. I got seven more, so y'all walk. Y'all just walk with me. If you or someone close to you has received deliverance from a habit or an oppressive situation, God rescued you from some addiction, habit, or just an oppressive situation. If that's you, stand on your feet. Look around. Yeah. Y'all can clap. Yeah, clap. Good. All right. I'm going to need y'all to clap like six more times because I got six more, all right? And I need you to clap with some intensity. Jeff said I'm just going to remain standing because I probably fall in the category of all eight. Y'all just clap for Jeff. Hey, he's gone through a lot. If you know what it's like, you or someone close to you, to experience God restoring a relationship that seems as though that it was impossible for restoration, if that's you or somebody close to you, stand on your feet. Yeah. Hold on. on. Y'all pause. Who you standing up for, Lady McGee? All y'all just sit down, just sit down. <laughs> you just should have remained seated. <laughs> All right. If you or someone close to you has ever received redemption after a fall, meaning you backslid, you fell away, you turn your back on God, but you receive grace like the prodigal son to come back home. If that's you or somebody you know close to you, stand up. Good. Number five, if you or someone that's connected to you has ever experienced Experience the extreme favor of God, meaning a door of opportunity that only God could have opened. Meaning, watch this, my edge. <laughs> okay. My education didn't do this. It's not because I'm so smart. It's not because I got the right last name. Only God could have opened this door. All right, y'all sit down. You ain't finna take over my service. <laughs> oh, y'all think y'all finna shout. No, you ain't. Sit down. <laughs> Watch this. Here's number six. You or someone you know close to you have seen God publicly answer the specifics of a private prayer. Stand on your feet. Yo. Good. Charity standing up. Charity, what do you answer? What do you... you look cute today, by the way. Y'all have a seat. <laughs> yeah, I got my eyes on you. 
Number seven, you have the experience of receiving a financial miracle. I mean, God financially made a way, and you just didn't see how that was going to happen. It's good. It's good. It's good. Thank you, Jesus. And look, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Don't, don't feel bad if you don't stand up for one. Don't be like, well, I ain't did that. I'll be honest with you. I wish I couldn't stand up for none of these. That's the truth. That means I was never sick, I never fell away, never been broke. You understand what I'm saying? So don't be feeling like, I sure wish I was broke so I could get a fine out. You ain't got to do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> if you don't need it, baby, you just don't need it. Yeah. Clap your hands for the folk who didn't need it. <laughs> Here's number eight. You or someone you know close to you, see now that somewhere back then, God kept you from an unseen danger. Somebody you was about to marry was straight crazy. <laughs> Lord Jesus, that's the whole church. Okay, now y'all can make some noise. Come on, let's give it up. All right. Good, good. Tim, give me something real soft. That's good, man. Okay, so this is what God told me to tell you. Whee! Thank you, Jesus. So, fun. In my private time, this is what I heard God say. It's going to sound kind of funny, but I just heard God say this. God says, stop looking for people like you and start looking for people like you. Babe, I just heard God say that the other day. I was studying this, and this is what I heard him say. Stop looking for people like you and start looking for people like you. This is what it means. Some of you all are missing ministry opportunities because you're looking for a cultural ethnic likeness. And God says don't look for cultural likeness. Look for like struggle. I mean, real talk. Have you, yeah, have you ever heard the saying, game, recognize game, right? Well, how many know struggle, recognize struggle? Anybody who's gone through what I've gone through, it's just certain things that they do, certain mannerisms, certain, certain gestures that I just pick up to be like, oh, I, yeah, either you in it or, you been out, or, you, or God brought you out of it. I recognize that. So stop looking for culture. Stop looking for ethnicity, stop looking for color, and start looking for, like, struggle. Because in this particular text, watch this, watch this. this, this is what happens. Philip the evangelist has a revelation in the area that the eunuch has an ignorance. <laughs> you with me. Let me say it again. Philip, this man of God, has a revelation in the area of the eunuch has an ignorance. Has Philip always been revelatory? Has he always known this? No, there was a time when he didn't understand what the prophet Isaiah was saying. And so when the, when the eunuch reads the scripture to him and he asks, who is this man talking about himself or somebody else? You have an ignorance in the area I have a revelation. It's, watch this. I'm not looking at like culture. 
Because, because this eunuch is an Ethiopian. That's not who Philip is. So if he's looking for like culture, ethnicity, he's getting ready to miss a move of God. But you know what he finds? Like struggle. This area that you were ignorant in, I used to be ignorant in this area as well. And let me give you the revelation of what this means. And I'm challenging you all today that there is somebody who's sick in the area that you got healed. There's somebody bound in an area you got delivered in. There's somebody that needs a financial miracle in an area you got a financial breakthrough. There's somebody that's going through a relational breakdown in an area that you receive relational healing. There's somebody getting ready to get caught up in something dumb in an area that God kept you from. You have a strength in an area somebody else has a weakness. And I'm telling you today that God says, I just don't want to use Pastor McGee. I don't want to just use Apostle so-and-so, Evangelist so-and-so, Prophet so-and-so. I want to use you because I've graced you. I've blessed you. I've given you miracles. I've opened doors for you. And I need you to find the person that struggled in the area you used to. So you walk away from a message like this, and, and, and I've been teaching. I've got to tell somebody for a couple of weeks now. I've got to tell somebody, and some of y'all are motivated, and you're like, who do I tell? I mean, what do I do? What, I mean, do I, do I go uh, uh, to the post office, stand on the steps, downtown Gulfport, and be like, hey, anybody know about Jesus? What should I do in the break room? I should open up my Bible and be like, uh, uh, I just, I know y'all on break, and we only got 20 minutes. But if you open up to the book of Luke, I want to share something with y'all. Should, should I do that? Should, should I mean, should, what, what? Should, should, I, should I go in front of my, my, my yard and hook up a PA system? Turn my music up and tell my neighbor, hey, I know y'all don't like me and y'all putting up fences around me right now. But I got something I need to share with you. I mean, should I do that? Or is God asking me to do something a little bit more practical? Every day, somewhere you're going to run into a eunuch who's ignorant in the area that you've got revelation. When you see like struggle, it's going to be tough for some of y'all. It's going to be tough because God is saying, when you see it, I'm going to ask you to deviate from your schedule. And some of y'all schedule more important than God's. Some of y'all actually think y'all busier than the Lord. This man is having a full-fledged revival. People coming to Jesus. Demons are being cast out. Healing is occurring. Wonderful things are happening in the city of Samaria. But he said, I heard the Spirit of God say, leave the crowd. Leave the public spotlight and go talk to this one individual. Why am I talking to him? Now I see why. <laughs> oh, so you got diagnosed with cancer too. Yep. Let me tell you the testimony of my dad. <laughs> oh, they're about to, you having problems with your house payment. Let me tell you, I ain't going to put it out there, but let me tell you about a woman who spent over a year in the house, living in a house that was in foreclosure. 
went downtown and somebody heard about it and paid for her house out of foreclosure. Oh, oh, okay. Now I see why I sat next to you on this plane. Now I see why we in this little group together. Oh, so you got this, you got this habit with drugs. Gotcha. Mm. I know a guy who was down so low, he was stealing from his own family to go buy drugs. Now he's one of my chief men in the ministry, leading men's ministry. That's why we connected like this. Because either, watch this, an area you have a weakness, I'm either strong or I'm connected to somebody that's strong. So here's the question. Would you just be willing to share if I, if I connect you with somebody who's weak in an area that you strong, would you just be willing to share? Because I know, what, I know the pressure. Watch this. I, I know the, the pseudo... Uh, I don't even know what to call it. It's not even God. It's almost like a guilt that the enemy will try to put on you. That, man, I just got to tell everybody. I just got to, I got to, I just got to, I got to, I can't even work. I can't even, I can't do nothing. I can't, I, I, I can't even go to the bathroom because if I go to the bathroom, I'm going to miss telling somebody about Jesus. No, no, no. Calm down. Chill out. This is how I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep allowing people to run into you with like struggles that you had. And that's going to be the person I want you to minister to. That's going to be the person. You had relational difficulties. Hmm. It's interesting. <laughs> some of y'all stood up for financial miracles. And some of y'all stayed seated because you were in a financial struggle. Some of y'all stood up for healing. Some of y'all stayed seated because you're sick. Some of y'all stood up for deliverance. Some of y'all stayed seated because you bound. Some of y'all stood up for extreme favor because God opened a door nobody else could have opened. Some of y'all stayed seated because you need God to open a door. How wonderful would it be even in your own local little church for you to connect. I ain't talking about pimp somebody. I ain't talking about just trying to be a leech. But no, no. What would it be like to find somebody whose faith is stronger than mine in an area that mine is weak in? And we just connect jumper cables. I'm not your rescuer, but I can talk you through it. I can tell you if your, 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 your husband is acting up and your wife is acting up and you know that this is, you know that this is God and, and he, he wants this to work. I, I, know, I can tell you the things you need to say and the things that you need to do that can better your marriage until God fully delivers him or fully delivers her. I can tell you what to do. Finance, you need a financial breakthrough. I, I know you need money, but I can tell you what you need to start doing with the money you already got. <laughs> How to be faithful over the few. Because you're making these lofty promises. When I do get paid, I'm going to start doing this. How about you start doing what you can right now? That's a divine connection that God is trying to make. Listen, I'm done. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God really does love, watch this, 
The Bible doesn't declare, for God so loved Christians. Mother, don't say that. It says, for God so loved the world. So God is concerned about everybody. And it's his desire, according to the scripture, that no one be lost. No one. That's God's desire. So this is what Jesus is not doing again. He's not coming out of heaven again until it's the end. So in the meantime, he's going to continue to sit at the right hand of the Father and be the head of the church, and he's going to depend upon his hands and feet to do ministry in the earth. And you and I are his hands and his feet. And all he's asking us to do, when I whisper and say, Philip, leave here and go there, just do what I say do. Go where I say go. Don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll give you the words when you get there. Thank you. There's some of you all that's delaying a conversation because you don't know what to say. And God is saying, don't worry about the words. Just schedule the meeting. Schedule the appointment, and I'll give you the words once you get there. So this is what I want to pray for. I want to pray for individuals. I want to use the word hesitant, but that's not the word. The word is actually disobedient. Um, the word is stubborn. I want to say hesitant. That's nice. <clears throat> but I'm going to use the word slowful in heeding what God is telling you to do. Because this Ethiopian eunuch, if he don't hear the message of Jesus Christ, the queen of Ethiopia won't hear it. And if she won't hear it, then the nation of Ethiopia will be handicapped. They'll continue to serve idol gods because the queen didn't tell the message because the eunuch never got the message because Philip was disobedient. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place. Father, now in Jesus' name, God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to minister, to encourage, to strengthen, to build, and yes, even challenge the people of God on today. God, we need to be more than just lifted and encouraged. We need to be challenged with this message of sharing. I've got to tell somebody. We're living in a dark world where people need hope. God, they need to know that the thing that I'm struggling with, the thing that I'm fighting with, that there is some man, woman, boy, and girl in the earth that went through what I'm going through and came out on the other side. I could have hope if I, God, if you can give me a contemporary example of somebody that came through a drug battle, somebody that, that, that came through a war in their marriage, somebody that came through a financial struggle, somebody that came back from a moral failure. God, if you, can show, if you can point to somebody that you ministered through, that you touched, it'll give me hope, God, to keep on moving forward. And so, Father, now in Jesus' name, we ask you all, we ask you, God, collectively as well as individually to forgive us for our slowfulness of not moving forward, of not being open to your spirit, of analyzing and overanalyzing every situation to the point we actually miss opportunities to be a light. Everybody just shout, God, I'm sorry. God, God, we repent, Lord Jesus. And today, God, we ask for another chance, God. We ask for another chance, God. 
to be a light to that woman, to be a light to that man, that boy, that girl. We ask for another opportunity, Lord God. Jesus, we don't want the blood, that blood to be on our hands. Someone perishing because we closed our mouth, because we were too shy, because we were more concerned about what they thought about us as opposed to what you think about us and feel about us. God, we're sorry now, and I bless you. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. At the very root of what I'm challenging you and what the scripture challenging, challenging, challenges us to do is allowing Jesus to actually be the Lord of your life. And if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, or maybe you're like the prodigal son, the wayward daughter, grew up in church, going to Sunday school, I know the story, but maybe I've never allowed him to be the Lord of my life. But more than just the words that you just heard, you feel something pulling on you deep inside that's saying, I need a relationship with God. I need to reconnect with my Savior. Today will be a fantastic day to do that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you and you're saying, Pastor, I need to reconnect, or maybe this is my first time. I just need to give my life to the Lord. I'm not going to call you to the front or embarrass you. I just want to know who you are and who I'm getting ready to pray for. If that's you, lift your right hand. Where are you at? I see you, ma'am. Thank you for you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Jesus. God saw your hands, but he also saw hearts. There's some of you who didn't raise your hands, but your heart was raised. And God says, I'm ready to accept you back. I'm ready to forgive you and wipe away the guilt and the shame of you. That's what I just heard God say. I'm ready to wipe away the guilt, the shame of your past. There's somebody in this place, God is getting ready to restore your name. Restore your name. The forgiveness that you have felt privately, publicly, he's getting ready to erase shame. Thank you for doing it, God. Those individuals who raised their hands, I want you to repeat after me. And for those of you all, you're in a good place with God. I want you to repeat it after me as well, just as an encouragement to them. Let's go. Lord Jesus, I confess that I've fallen short of your glory in many ways. Things that I've done, things that I've said, things that I thought have been contrary to your will and to your way. Say, God, I'm confessing and I'm no longer running. So I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins. Cleanse my heart and make me new. I believe that Jesus Christ, he came, he died, and he rose just for me. I'm asking you, Lord, to save me, to restore me now in Jesus' name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. This is what I want to do. I want to give you just a moment to make that prayer personal. You repeated it after me, and I thank you. I gave you words. But now, just for a few moments, I want to give you an opportunity to share personally with God now because he's in this place now. Come on and talk to him all over this building. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 